Welcome to Straight to the Point, completely off topic. I've got Boneface, Ink Master Season 8 and Season 9 contestant with me today. Also, rapper extraordinaire. He probably writes romance novels and and, and uh, as, as well. I, I think the guy's got his hands in a lot of different things, property management, something. But at any rate, how are you doing today, Boneface? Man, I'm great, man. How are you, bro? I'm fantastic. And we'll get to, uh, of course, we got to talk about Ink Master. That's the whole reason they listen to me. But okay. let me ask, you are a rapper as well, right? Yes, um, I, I was doing music before I did anything. Um, I was, I've always been an artist and I've always been in music. I've been doing music since I was probably about 10, 12 years old. And I actually have had a couple record deals too. So tattooing is just the thing that broke for me first. But music was my first love. Where's your where's the name come from? Mom didn't name you Boneface. Nah, man, it actually was a funny thing. Um, and you know how you grow up and you kind of pick up nicknames from your friend crack friends cracking jokes and shit on you. So um funny story, I was in the Wendy's and um my manager was friends with my older brother, childhood friends with my older brother. And at the time I was probably about 140 pounds, 150 pounds, and I didn't have a beard then either. I had like a little goatee, but you could see my facial structure and it was kind of real sunken in like at the cheekbones and, and she called me bone face. And I was just like, damn, that's kind of catchy. And I ran with it. You went with it right away. You liked it. Yeah. I thought it was catchy. And I, I just, <laughs> right yeah, I believe, you know, you 140 know, we know pounds. That. you're over yeah. six feet. Were you six feet then? Yeah. I was six foot tall, 140 pounds. So I looked like a, a walking skeleton. At the time. <laughs> okay. Right. Is the, is the beard. I was going to think that the beard was an answer to the bone face structure, but I'm sure that's changed over time too. You put some weight on since then. Yeah, 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 yeah. The beard, the beard came a couple years later. I was on, at the time I was probably only like, probably I've had this name since I was 14, 15. So that was like my and, first job. That's when I got the name. And you were probably, that's the age that you're looking for a name for rapping and all anyways. Exactly. Exactly. So you got it from Wendy's. Is that what? <laughs> yeah. I got, I found my, I found my <laughs> name in the Wendy's at the, at the, at the grill. Flipping burgers. <laughs> I have not exactly. been so lucky, man. Just chicken nuggets so far. <laughs> yeah, they call man, me so that, that one annoying guy at the window. That's my rap name. If I if funny. I had to get it from Win from Wendy's, the guy that wants to talk yeah. to your manager. No, I want pickles on that. So you have to make it fresh. Don't you take one back and put the. Uh, <laughs> so how was your experience on Ink Master? We get to see it. You know it. Man, honestly, let, let me give my own premise for anybody that didn't see your episode. Uh, they eventually crafted such an, a monster with Ink Master that they were making money that they could literally throw it around. So they gave you guys paint paintball guns full of powdered dust and had you have a, a tag team war or something. Yes, like for the was, intro. That was a part of it. See, when, when we did our first one, well, I'm going to sound like a grandfather or something, <laughs> but when we did our first uh, intro and, and all the press pictures the same day that you guys had this awesome day, it sounds like, um, we, we, the first season that I was on, season three, we took it all inside of the studio there. They set mm -hmm. up a picture and they had a bunch of weird people run around. They went over a bunch of stuff with us, but that was that day. And then the next year I could see that they must've been a success because they stopped traffic underneath the Manhattan bridge and they took pictures all night fucking long. I mean, mm -hmm. crazy, but now we've gotten to the 
penultimate of Ink Master intros where they have so much money that they're literally like, I don't know, man, what do we have them do? Like flamethrowers filled with powdered paint? <laughs> that was that was actually, a, that was probably the best day I've had on set with them. Um, super dope, super fun experience. And it didn't feel like work, of course, like the other days. Um, right. And I think our I think our season was the first season that they really decided they wanted to spend a whole lot of money. So that was good for me. And, and that's why I think so many people from our series have elevated to other things like people got their own shows from our series. And I think that was the first time but that ever happened to where somebody came from a oh. series and had their own show. Well, Tommy Helm, he well, I guess he kind of got helped out with Big Gus, didn't he? Is, is that right, is right, that right. the because he was on Tattoo Nightmares, but you mean then Ryan Ashley in the mass the Angel Ink, Ink Angels or something, right? Right, right. A, a show from the same from the same you know production company, you know. So I think um, the Tattoo Nightmares it was on a different network, but this is um, right. this was something that sprung from Ink Master. You know, it's just like a, a a whole different show from one show to where we recognize these girls from this, and this is how they got famous, and we give them their own show from that. So I thought that right. was dope. Um, yeah, they they definitely went all out. It seemed like the it, the the brand kind of really went crazy after season eight. And I think because they had this the first time a female one, I think that helped too, um, boost the brand a lot too. Right. I, do you think that's something that they wanted to have happen? Uh, I think it is. I think it is. I think um, the way this because show is if it boosted the brand, then we could imagine somebody might have recognized how that could also boost the brand. A thousand percent. And I, um, I do feel like um, a lot of people ask, is it scripted or is it staged? And I don't believe it's scripted or staged, but I do feel like they position certain things and, and they understand the outcome of it. You know, if I put you in a position where somebody is antagonizing you, I understand that you're going to fight back once I know your personality. So I think they put enough women who were talented on the show and they and they, that kind of put them in position to get the female winner that they wanted. And um, yeah, because it, it was like most of the talent, the, the most talented people on this on that season were the women, just to be honest, you know. Right. Um, yeah. So it's like they kind of yeah, they kind of positioned it for that. And um, I think Gian was a monkey wrench in that plan because he was so good. And um, yeah, the kid I think, is talented. Sketchy right, lawyer so was real good, too. But he, is he kind of yeah. he's kind of good at his own thing? Right. Yeah, I think he's I think he's good all the way around, but the mental part of it is what he wasn't good at. He struggled with the, um, being in the house and he struggled with the setup because, you know, naturally tattoo artists are rebellious and they move how they want to move. And you're in a situation right. where you're being babysat and you're being monitored 24-7 and told what to do. And that doesn't sit well with somebody who kind of works for, for himself every day. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, he, yeah, he broke on that end. But I think... Um, I think where, where it came, where the female part of it played in is that if it was a 50-50 situation between you and the female, you were going home because we're pushing for a female to win this. We're not going to cheat for them, but if we have to choose between one or the other and it's even, we're going to choose them because it's better for the narrative. So right. even, at the, even now, at the end, I felt like Gian and um, Ryan, mm -hmm. their tattoos were kind of like, it could have gone either way. So I kind of knew which way it would go once it was in, when he put, once he put himself in that position, you had to win by a landslide to be a dude that season. Right. Right. We, we, uh, counter to some narratives. Most, I, I kind of have, um, and maybe it, it's, it's such a, maybe this is completely chauvinistic, but my opinion kind of is female tattoo artists, as I have seen throughout my life have struggled greatly 
as my wife was a tattoo artist. And when, when she would do the whole consult, the setup, the work with the person personally, you know, I'd be mm-hmm. tattooing and, and she would work with them on their tattoos. She's drawing the stencil and getting it ready. She already set up the whole thing. And then he would look at her and say, so when he's done with that tattoo, he's going to do this tattoo. And she would say, no, I, I'm going to do the tattoo. You fucking mm-hmm. chauvinistic piece of shit. Um, right. And then Kat Von D happened. And I kind of have an opinion and it's probably just the chauvinist in me. But that okay. your opinion, your, your ability of uh, or the struggle that you had to have as a female tattoo artist is it, it all changed after Kat Von D. Mm-hmm. Like she was popular enough that suddenly people wanted female tattoo artists. And now I, I'm, I just don't feel like it's as hard as, as it was in almost even in many cases easier. If you're willing to use your attributes as a female to your advantage. Uh, you're, you're, you're leaning towards what I think. I think this, I think, um, there are disadvantages and advantages to everything, bro. And I just think you can focus on the disadvantages or you can focus on the advantages. Just like as me, right? I'm a black tattoo artist. There are advantages to that and there are disadvantages to it. It's just like, which ones do you want to embrace? And I think in a lot of situations, people, when, they're, when they feel like something is not going in their favor, they focus on the disadvantages. When everything is going in their favor, they focus on the advantages. You feel what I'm saying? So I think I there are advantages. I, I think there are advantages to being a female tattoo artist. Um, I think for the same reason, because when I first started tattooing, I wasn't that great of a tattoo artist, but I felt like I was a handsome guy and women hit on me a lot. So I felt like a lot of my clientele came from women just wanting to be around me. And I think that happens with a lot of female tattoo artists. Right. Yes. Right. It may be wrong and it may be chauvinist, but at the end of the day, it's bringing money in. So there's always <laughs> something that it's always something that brings money in, because at the end of the day, bro, there's always a tattoo artist out there better than you. And there's always so people come to you for an experience when they come to Kyle Dunbar, they come right. They come to you for that experience of you. And when you're a female tattoo artist, you being attractive or unattractive will play a role in that. And that's just like life in general. I think attractive people. It sucks to say this, but attractive people have an advantage in life and unattractive people have to work harder. So if you're a female tattoo artist that's unattractive, usually you'll hear those are the guys complaining about it. It's not really a situation where you have this hot female tattoo baby ain't complaining. You feel me? Right. Right. Now, at the same time, tattoo baby uniquely I met when she was so young in Miami mm-hmm. getting ready to do a tattoo and she was right. going by the name cat and she had uh-huh. been tattooing for a little while and cat Bondi was coming out at that time. And mm-hmm. so she had this weird kind of like it, it, it felt like it almost boxed her in and stole mm-hmm. her persona. But at the same time, she loved to do black and gray por- portrait work. So it didn't mm-hmm. hurt her progression. You know what I mean? Right. People right, would right, let right. her do it almost because they're like, Oh wow. Her name's cat too. Right, both, right, they right, both right. go by cat. Right, right. It's just it's, it's these the, the 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 tattoo world is a strange place, bro. And um, how things work, it varies. You know, it's just like there's you just got to figure out your niche and what works for you and ride that wave, and not focus on what doesn't work for you. There's there's all everybody has a complaint, you know. So it's like there's some things you could complain about, but it's not recognized, you know, because people <laughs> focus on the advantages that you do have, you know. Right. So right. Yeah, I don't. So I, I, I don't uh, stop complaining about it, though. Trust me, I'm still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most most, I'm still... People, most people most people don't. 
Right, right. I probably should. What is it? Manif- I was talking with a friend, you know, Mark Matthews. His whole name is Manifest Mark. And uh, uh-huh. I, I, I guess if, I, if I'm focusing on complaints or looking for things to complain about, then I'm not going to have nearly as good a time. And I'm exactly. probably going to I'm going to I'm going to go down. I, you know, I'm slowly figuring it out. That's what I can say. <laughs> Right, right, Talking right. to people what... like yourself who have you have to have a philosophy even as to be a, a rapper of some sorts or, or want to continue to do that, whether it be a positive one or a negative one. You have to kind of have a philosophy. Right. 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 And, 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 and whether it's positive or negative, as long as that philosophy drives you to keep going or, or to, to, to grow at what you're doing, go for it. You feel me? If you if you're a female that feels like tattooing is hard for women and that drives you, use it. If you're a female that feels the opposite, use that too. It's just whatever the fuck you feel, you got to use it as fuel. Right. And then, but (laughs) did you get any heat then? I mean, not that this is so related, but from uh, asking the girl why she looked 50 when she was 24. Um, I didn't get, I didn't get much as one person should, because I'm one of those people that feel like I, when that happened, it's almost like hitting a girl, you know, and hitting right. a hitting a man a man hitting a woman is never justified. But if you're in, okay. if you're watching if you're watching a woman assault a man, and it's like he's trying to get away, and she then she pulls out a knife and she's trying to cut him, and then he he hits her. Then you kind of like, damn, that's it's sad that he had to hit her. But I understand. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So it was like it was like one of those situations with me because it took so long for me to retaliate. To retaliate if you watch our right. season you'll see that it was like something that she worked on and she pushed for the whole time so when it happened it was more everybody reacted almost like finally versus like that was harsh only her okay. fans felt like it was harsh you know it was, i do yeah, understand it, yeah everybody I, I blew else up on like, a girl there and, and everybody was like dude i'm glad you did it instead of me right that's what it was for me it was almost like everybody in the house it was whispering like damn bro that was harsh, but she kind of deserved it. Even the producers. And I'm just like, <laughs> and after, after it happened, I, I apologized to her, of course, because that's felt just bad. not my it's not it's not my character. And um right. and I you knew that I, it was 100 percent You're like, 100 percent that is going to make it. Absolutely. And that's what they said. <laughs> after I said it, one of the guys was like, Well, maybe they won't use it. And then one of the producers <laughs> walked by and said, No, nah, that's gonna be the trailer. I was like, Fuck. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Was like, Damn. Was it the trailer too? It was the trailer. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what right we, that's what kind of sparked up the bad blood again because we were good after that. Like we got to a space to where we were cordial, but you know, once it resurfaces and people kind of pour fuel on the fire, it right. goes back to where it was. You know, you, you're human, so you start to re relive that shit over and over again. But you know, like it sounds but, like your but, philosophy but, as a rapper is definitely one of uh foresight or of reflection no absolutely bro i'm I'm just that's my character in general not just as a person in general it's like i i'm never gonna do something to somebody that i want done i don't want done to me you feel what i'm saying but she just put me in a situation to where it was almost like she wasn't considering any of the things that she was doing to me and how it would affect me when i went home because at the end of the day we all run businesses and we all have to go home and work so even when I apologized, I broke down to her and under, made her understand why I said what I said and where why I right. made it a personal attack versus a tattoo attack. Because right. I had no problem with them saying my work wasn't good. I didn't have a problem with that. Um, the issue was is that every attack was personal. Imagine you've been in that house and you've been in critiques yeah. to where you do a tattoo 
and you know that your tattoo is not close to the worst one in the room, but some for some reason these people are harping <laughs> on yours, but they're not saying anything about the other one. Right. I've even been in the room when it I haven't been the point of that. And and you sit by almost enabling it because it, a couple of reasons. But one of them is, you know, they need footage and they're going to shoot until they get it. Another right. one is why interject and get the focus on me from all this negativity. But mm -hmm. if you're the subject of it, so like it, it, no one's necessarily running to your defense, I guess is what I'm saying. Because right, if they absolutely. run to your defense, they know that they are possibly a target. There's an imagined alliance because right, right. certainly on Correct. your season, the, the, if they improved in their budget, they also got to improve in their salary cap, you know, in their right, ability right. to pay producers and, and, and get people from better shows, you know, from places like the real world and, you know, Survivor or whatever, places where they mm -hmm. really push drama. Um, right. America's top model. Uh, you know, th these kinds of so these producers then are more skilled because they have more, you know, more money. They're, they have more resources to spend on for better skilled people. Eventually, they end up with a script that it wasn't the first time. I mean, we had rivals already and mm -hmm. I don't think we had shop wars yet, did we? But no, this was the script. Th th it was guaranteed to make internal drama. Mm hmm. Every, every bit of, and once you get there too, I mean, I remember going with some really, you know, wide-eyed kind of aspirations of being involved in a fair competition and getting to find out where I was at with inside of, you know, my competitive field. Right. And we were going to make a TV show in the process. This was, I have to learn how to be a reality TV star performer. I need to learn to speak sound bites so that they want me to stay here. It seemed mm -hmm. like, and uh, from my own perspective, when you were being attacked uh, and, and you, you retorted with that, you were being attacked. That's why I say it like that. You were being attacked. Uh, a girl was also pointing her finger at you, mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, uh, which I always take is, I mean, if I just remove all sound, right. <laughs> Right, yeah, just right, going, right. going back to us being the most primate motherfuckers in the world. Like if I watched a bunch of, of uh, monkeys in the jungle and one of them starts pointing at the motherfucker and three right. other of them start jumping around, you know, making a bunch of noise. I know what's happening. And, exactly. and that ain't necessarily a one on one fight or necessarily a fair fight. So right. um, I think I think a lot of people felt that, too. So you must have uh, I'm, I'm wondering that. I, I know that must be what helped you escape some of the Twitter ire, if that was yeah. a thing. Yeah, that, that it did. But um, the, another thing is that during that time, I kind of I'm, I'm not a read the comments type of guy, so I never really felt any anything that came with it because I I never really got into it. I didn't. I never reposted it. I've never right. gone into the comments to see what they said. Or, you know, so didn't it's just, feed I don't into the people. drama, right? Right. I don't even know how people feel about me, and I, I don't care. I, I never got concerned with it. You know, so. I did what I did and, and I apologize for it. Me and her killed it. And after that, I was cool with whatever, you know, the world is kind of late. They're on the, they're on the back end of it. They, they catching the backside of the, of the whole situation or whatever. But um, right. you, you explained it, you explained it perfectly. It was just a situation to where I was being attacked, but when I, it's almost like we didn't see the person antagonizing you. We just seen you fire back. So it's like, we yeah. didn't see what led up to it. So it was just almost one of those things to where I was being attacked for weeks and this was not just, 
on air. This was inside the house. And I was just like my whole time, I'm thinking like, damn, do they want me to be the angry black guy? Because I'm not giving them that, you know? And right. So I'm just like, I'm chilling the whole time. And bro, I'm the nicest person in the house. Nobody I feel like Sebastian said a similar thing to me on, a, on the second season. That the, he felt mm-hmm. that the, they were trying to push him to be the angry black man. And, and he felt a very, you know, like a, 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 a real stand against it, you know, right, that, that right, he right. thinks actually possibly hurt his his entertainment value, if you will, which right. also hurt his his trajectory. Right, right. And it hurt mine, too, because once it's almost like once you submit yourself as a character, it's like they don't see they, the real you disappears. It's almost like when I watch your season, like you could have one incident, the incident you had with Nunez. Right. It's like that's oh, yeah. all people remember. It's like everything before and after that is kind of like it's like whatever high, the highest moment you have on that show is who you are. So it's like in my that was case, the highest. Uh, in my case, thank God, though, because otherwise they would remember that leather face portrait. I did. You feel what I'm saying? So it's just like <laughs> I'm not even remember for what it, any tattoo I did. It's just that's my that's the, that was my highest moment in the show. And that's what people remember me from. Well, this is also yeah. a, a episode where I was I think people I don't know, they, they probably it, I wish I could that we had a, a easier picture of actual demographics and how shows are doing. I know everybody always says there's does this or that, but I've never seen any statistical proof. And I think it would make a dramatic turn at that season because of, of the amount of drama that they gave us and the amount of tattoos. It be, mm-hmm. The way this it was scripted. Number one, we gotta we gotta strengthen the iconary image of Nunez and Oliver Peck as being great tattoo artists when we kind of know that they're you know average at best. Right, and, right. But we're gonna do it because they can't fight it, it, it out themselves. So right. they have to have like uh, like princesses would have champions. You know, that's, that's that's a dope way to look at it. I never even thought about it like that. Well, they, I think they came to, and, and there's this interesting thing they were going through at the time too, which, and, and I always, I'm probably looking into this way too much, but the demographic I was explained uh, at season four was 60 to 65% female watch is viewership. And that was the highest female viewed uh, um, TV show on Spike TV. Mm-hmm. So to cater to that, you can imagine certain pushes and certain right. things would be a detriment like the 2014 sexual harassment suit against the two judges. Right. And and so I'm curious if the coincidence of, um, of your season and, and, and the desire to have a female representation, because if you just went through a sexual lawsuit that held your, your product reputation back, having a female reputation would be great. Right. Like yeah. now, as and as a thought, now we're in a spot where they, they gotta, I, I, they're gotta, shooting another gotta, series, right? Yeah, and you got to do a minority judge now. That's you what I'm doing. You got to do a minority judge or a female judge. You feel me? Because of what happened. Yes, or both. Or both. And I'm, I'm sure they will do both. And if they could get one that was transgender lesbian or something, I think they might they might hit the trifecta. Yeah, that would make I, their day. I remember when they were uh, asking us from season three if we knew people that would be we could recommend. They really wanted really pretty lesbian tattoo artists. Mm-hmm. They, they were, uh, and it was funny because we were like, dude, isn't that like the fucking, that's what everybody's searching for, man. That's the holy grail. It doesn't exist. Listen. 
Right. <laughs> Listen, even if they say they're lesbians, it's just to turn their man on for a night. Once that wedding ring goes on, <laughs> that licking and cocksucking, that's done. Um, <laughs> I'm getting far off point. Say, I, you go, go ahead. Do you feel that there was a uh, any kind of uh, of, of the lawsuit, Do, were you aware of that? Were you, did you feel any kind of push for uh, female representation or, or, um, or backstage uh, better treatment of the workers, maybe more importantly? Yeah, I, I think, I think that was, um, that was a major part of it. And I, you feel, you felt that a lot. It was clear. It wasn't any, okay. anything that was, it wasn't anything that was hidden. It was just, you can tell the way they handled them. They took care of them. And they, I think their show was in the works before we even got halfway through our season, you know? So it's like, they, they were definitely catering. I didn't know what they were, why they were pandering, but you just put that in pers- into perspective for me. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know any of the other stuff was going on, but now it all makes sense. Like thinking back to how the house functioned and how everybody functioned. Right. Okay. So, now yeah, since they went through a, sense. see, that's why I was curious if, um, if you're going through, uh, if you're being, they had claims during my season. They were being protested during a finale for not being unionized. If you're not being unionized, one of the bigger complaints that they have to level against you is things like harassment and having no recourse for possibly um, being fired uh, inappropriately, being given too long days, no representation for these kinds of things. Uh, and, and so that's why I would wonder on your season, what, did it seem as though they were being more professional or uh, you were, were you surprised by the level of professionality that they would treat the uh, the production, like uh, the video, the the audio, and all? Um, I didn't I didn't really have anything to compare it to because that was my first season, so I didn't know what the treat what the normal treatment was, or you know before I came, so I wouldn't be able to really answer <laughs> that. Yeah, so I right don't I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you guys got treated. Well, we got, it was, uh, there was a, a plethora, a mixed bag of like um, some of, some of the staff slept with some of the, the tattoo artists. Um, some of them, one of them gave, gave a guy a handy, uh, which, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, people, we were far, we were, yeah, we were far away from that. So yes, if that's, okay. if that's, if that's how it was on your season, yes. And you could tell because there were some um, attractive cast members and um and product and people in production but you could tell that um it was way it was like it was way out of bounds it was like they wouldn't they wouldn't tolerate it was zero tolerance for that and you could tell that the work that you could tell that they had been grilled on that okay yeah i I think i think prior to that uh and it it just to me it's really a reoccurring because i'm watching it make more money more money more money and watching production level go up interested how they spend it the problems they face um and and uh but i don't know i feel like that's probably enough about ink masters because i am interested as well and you're still rapping to this day am i wrong Nah, yeah um i have something dropping in in two weeks from now like on the 24th but it's it's been probably a year and a half probably a year and a half since i've released the project perfect time to let my millions and millions of listeners know. <laughs> I'm glad I caught you just before a drop like that. Yeah, and I thought this is going to be like my last year. I always said I wasn't going to be a 40-year-old rapper. I turned 40 in November. So what I'm going to do up until then is um, 
I'm going to release a project every month all the way up until November. And then I'm, I'm done. I'm just going, I'm going into something else after that. Why, why would you not be a 40 year old rapper? You just look like a creeper in the club or something. It's just for me. I just, that's just something I, I didn't want for myself. I feel like in every, in every um, field, you have to make room for like fresh blood. You have to allow, you have to move out of the way. And I think that's the issue with a lot of us in our society is that guys who hold position don't want to move out the way and, and usher in the next. We're trying to keep them from rising and keep them from getting better. It's, it happens in the tattoo world. We'll be tattooing oh, yeah. for 20, we'll be ha- tattooing for 20, 30 years and we don't want to teach anybody th- anything. And by the time we leave the game, the people who are behind us don't know how to handle it and they don't know how to, you know, we, we didn't, we didn't, instead of taking them and teaching them what we know and making sure the industry is in good hands, we push them to the side. And by the time we retire, they come in and they don't respect us and they do what the hell they want to do. Now we're mad at them because the industry is right. out of whack, but, but we didn't do anything to affect that. So I feel the same way about music. I would much rather take a younger artist and, and coach them and help them and push them along because it's like, bro, I'm 40. Like this is not a game for that. You know, it's, I can do it on my own right. time as a hobby, but to be out here with 18, 19 year old kids, I do feel like the, the old guy in the club. So it's just like, right. And the chances of you catching fire like that, even if you wrote the same exact song and then had a, a, a younger person doing it, that would be maybe easier to get in tune with the kids or something. You're going to, it's, it's going to exactly. go further. Exactly. And what's sad, what's sad about music though, um, what the genre of, that I do anyway, because in other genres, the older you get, the better your music is, you know, but in rap, it's like the older I get, the more wisdom I have and the more I have to say, but the less people want to hear it. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> because it's just yes. like, you're the old guy on the porch. You know, I, I have, I, that's why I say I would take a younger artist and write for him and produce for him and put them in position to say what I want them to say. So my message still gets across and it's actually heard. It's effective, you know, right. but yeah, right. nobody wants to hear me. You feel me at 40. Oh, I do. And, yeah. Like you're yeah, shaking yeah, your seven, fists yeah. at the kids in the streets for not doing exactly. it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so I would much rather like usher in the next. The next generation you're doing of music. something like you're part of. Uh, you're working with Made Rich as well in the in the Black Artist Experience. Am I wrong? Uh yes. I'm. I'm. I'm like. I'm not really tied all the way in with that. Um, I they call me and I do whatever they need me to do as far as helping out. But um, okay. Um, the guy that really does that, his name is Swiss Premium. Um, on Instagram at Swiss Premium. Shout out to him. He's doing major things. He's put together some dope events to um, help, you know, promote. So he, and he's a he's a cheese connoisseur, <laughs> or yeah, <laughs> now he's a tattoo artist. He's a dope tattoo artist. And, um, right on. Yeah, and um, he um, he put together a bunch of events. So he's really the um, the leader of that. You know, I was helping May Rich more so um, push the Think Before You Ink brand and his and his um, clothing line. Um, okay, but. Yeah, but outside of that, um, yeah, Swiss Premium is over the Black Tattoo Experience, and he's the guy pushing that. He's the one that started it, and it's growing. Yeah, it seems growing to kind of fast. come back. Uh, right, it's full right. circle to what you're talking about with rap as well. As made as Rich was explaining to us, it's a, uh, it, it's just that it's giving back to people. Whereas even though you didn't have people help you out, you uh, you you needed it. You would have been better with it, and it, it's sharing and knowledge, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's completely necessary because what we, we always complain about the opportunities that we don't have. And we don't have those opportunities because the people before us didn't give them, didn't, didn't present them to us. So 
we're either going to keep this cycle going or we're going to help each other out. And I just think um, a lot of gaps can be bridged just by us looking out for each other. Like you're somebody who um, I, I talk to all the time when we're at the conventions and we, we have good conversations. And I think you and I are going to be end up being people that kind of bridge the gaps between um, black tattoo artists and white tattoo artists or the, the tattoo culture in general. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I don't mind I, being a bit of that at all. <laughs> right. And, 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 and we and we have the tough conversations like you and I can sit and talk about anything and I'm not offended by any of your opinions or any of the things you say. And you're not offended by any of the things that I'm saying. And on top uh, of that, not I would say yes, but you made me offended. But so I'm sorry. Go on. I'll tell you about it in a minute. OK, cool. But like um, <laughs> but but it, and even even in, in even in being offended, what I was going to say and it, as even in being offended. You're not listening and waiting for your turn to talk. You're trying to understand and you're trying to grasp the concept of the way I see things. And I'm trying to grasp the concept of the way you see things, even if I don't agree with right, you. Right. Right. And, and oh, that's, absolutely. that's yeah. So that's that's what communication is all about, is being able to hear you and try to understand you, even if I don't agree with you. Right. You've never offended me. I shouldn't make it like that. But uh, you implored me to watch um, a movie. Uh, adios to uh, say adieu to uh, Uncle Tom. Uh -huh. right? uh, and and that movie is just offensive, <laughs> you know. I mean, it, it's an it's a beautiful and it's I, it feels important, but it's one of those movies you're like, I'll never need to watch that. I get the message. <laughs> I never need to watch that again. <laughs> and that's, that, <laughs> right? that was, but that was my that was my same impression. It's like, bro, I never need to watch this shit again. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, so I, I get it. Yes, uh, and it, it, the the understanding. Um, if anybody does watch it too, it's good. Uh, side note to understand that these are artistic representations that were made from writings. Like this isn't, this doesn't, uh, adios to uncle Tom doesn't have, um, it does have historical reference is what I'm saying. Like, uh, mm -hmm. these, these, each of these instances, these scenes, vignettes, possibly that this, uh, filmographer goes back to through slavery, uh, and is exposed to has reference from writings um, back and forth and correspondences that have been found and tracked throughout the ages. And they're horrific and sickening on a human level, let alone being um, on a white level. <laughs> like they can, they can mm -hmm. give you large amounts of white guilt. So if you're not prepared for that, then, uh, then stay away. But if, if you want an honest representation or a very intriguing thought provoking um, look in, into the racism of slavery, then that's, man, that, that was a good one. Made by the same and, guys that make Kano Mande. And what people need to understand too, though, is that, bro, you can tell me a story, right? A fictional story that still can provoke, that can be thought provoking and make me see things from a different perspective. So even in watching something like that, even if a lot of things are inaccurate, it still makes you think like, damn, what if? And damn, that would be shitty. You know what I'm saying? And if so, so like you say, I, I think a, a lot a lot of having conversations is it's like you have you've been married for a long time, bro. So I'm sure you've had to have a lot of conversations with your wife to where you had to sit back, be quiet, listen and try and try to gain some type of understanding to, to yes. you feel me to, to be able to work together and to be able to stay together. There's a lot of shit that she probably says <laughs> yeah. that you that you that you hate and don't agree with. But it forces you to look in the mirror and check yourself. And if you can put your ego to the side and put your pride to the side, you can find those things within yourself to fix them. But if you 
feel like nothing is wrong with you, you won't last in a situation where you have to work with other people, whether it's a marriage, whether it's society, you feel me? So it's just one of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things the way you have to be able to like, like you say, watch something. And if you feel white guilt or whatever the hell guilt you feel, you feel me? You need to go figure out why you feel that and then address it. Then you can fix it and then you can you, you'll be able to function. So then the awesome thing or the good thing to know about white uh, white guilt is it dissipates with an understanding of white privilege. And even so, someone like myself, born any uh, in the hood without a lot of means, a lot of times we imagine there's no privilege that we experience from that. And it can actually bring about anger because someone's suggesting we have some privilege simply from the color of our skin. But when there is something like some systemic racism where you have an understanding of how racist laws and people would be and people would be raised, risen through the ranks of of executing laws and then giving judgment on those same laws, then you experience a societal privilege just from the color of your skin because you're not having to deal with a statistic so high or disproportionately high of being incarcerated, getting bad education, having um, bad representation inside of uh, the, the judicial system. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And, and, I, and, I, th- I, and I, think, I think a lot of the frustrations, um, like you say, come from like not, n- not for me personally, I'm going to speak for me personally. It's not a thing to where I, I feel some type of way because I don't have the privilege. I just want to, I want to be, I'm going to give you an analogy that works for this. Um, if you and I are in a race, right? And you get a head start, right? And let's say we get to the finish line and everybody's like, damn, Cal's so fast. You feel me? And you just play play along with it like, damn, yeah, I am fast. And I'm just like, nah, bro, make sure you acknowledge that you fucking had a head start. That's why I was fucking miles behind you. You feel me? I'm not mad that you won the race. I'm just like, bro, let them know what where you started and where I started. You know, just acknowledge right. that you had a head start. So it's not well, it's not the fact that the privilege is there. It's just the, the fact that when the, the privilege is ignored as if it's not as if it doesn't exist and that we just had the same fair shot. And that goes that's, for anything. That, yeah. No, I feel like that's what dissipates it with the understanding of that, because that is just quite eventually, you know, and maybe hell, you know what? Still, I, I still am happy about this, that I might be able to talk. I have a, I have like a one in three better chance talking my way out of a ticket. Mm-hmm. So even if that's all the privilege I experience, uh, th- then I know that it can help me, you know, or, or that yeah, there and- is that. And, and I think I think when you reach some level of celebrity, you kind of experience what that feels like. I'll give you an example because you brought up a ticket. Um, I was going through this small town. Speed limit was 45 miles an hour. I was going 90. Um, got pulled over. And when he pulled me over, you could see he got out the car all angry and shit. And when he got over to my window, I let the window down and he looked in the car. Now, mind you, this is probably 40 miles outside of my city. He looked in the car. And he was just like license and registration but he's looking down at his pad at the time or whatever the hell he was writing on and he was like i guess right. he was, it was the ticket and he was like license and registration and i reached down to get it and when i looked up he recognized my face and he was like aren't you bone face i'm like yeah and then he was just like all right man i'm gonna turn around and act like i ain't see you i want you to get out of here and then he let me go and i that's for me i was like cool i didn't get a fucking ticket but at the same time i felt some type of way i'm like bro if if, yes. if anybody else was going 90 right here, they would have got a ticket. Write me a ticket too, motherfucker. You feel me? I, no, I do. Yeah, but, but at the same time, yeah. don't write me a ticket. 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm glad I didn't get the ticket, but I felt like them. Like, is this, and my thought was like, damn, is this how white people feel? That was my thing. It's like, damn. So it was almost like a thing that we're like, if, if we're buddies, of course, you're not going to lock me up. And of course, you're not going to give me a ticket. But that, right. that's, what's wrong, that's what's wrong with our system. It so should be a does thing that give you a better understanding then of when you watch uh, viral videos of white women engaged with police officers in a disagreement? <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, that's the way that bitch, that's the way they feel. Like they ain't going to get a ticket. Like he ain't going right. to punch her. Right, right, right. So it was just, it was crazy. I was just like, damn, bro. Like that was wild. Like I'm going 90 in a 45 and you just tell me, hey man, I, get out of here i didn't see you just right. because you know you recognize who i am so it was just like bro like did, did you unfair. peel away did you did you burn the tires out leaving like yeah motherfucker right i definitely didn't learn a lesson because i got back up to 90 i'm like fuck it no like, i ain't gonna take it no. let's go back, let's go back. <laughs> he said get out of here he must have yeah, been yeah. fast yeah let's get yeah let's get back to 90 shit we didn't get a ticket yeah so it is were you taking is. side roads or something where were you going no i was on the interstate Okay, but yeah, it went down to forty-five right there. Yeah, it was in. It was, yeah, it was like you know how you um you have these you cut through small towns. It was like um not just interstate, but I you do. know how you cut yeah. through small towns and then yep. you kind of they, they got the little speed acres. trap town. Right, right, right. Those towns. It was one of those little towns, and it's Ooh, one of those towns that you're you're not supposed to get caught speeding in. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, the yeah. worst kind generally. Right. Where, yeah. where some hillbilly motherfucker with, comes out with a corn cob pipe and shit. Now you yeah, know why man. I pulled you over here. It was that kind of situation, bro. And I just knew I'm like, he's gonna write me a thousand dollar ticket, bro, because I'm tripping. Right. And I deserved it. Right. I was like, I fuck it. I, I was ready to pay the ticket. I'm like, all right, cool. I know he, I know he got. It. And he, he had let me go. Legal, and I was like, shit. Yeah. Right yeah, So, sure. but this was Ink Master fame. This wasn't. Uh, this wasn't rapping fame. Right. This Ink Master. Right on. Have you? What other things have you dabbled in? Or is, or is that been it? Tattoos, and uh, and rapping. Uh, no, I was um, I was a barber before I was a tattoo artist. I started I was a barber from probably about 14, 15 until I was 26. But tattooing was something that I did as like a side hustle. Um, right. Then I had a record. I owned a recording studio and I did the music thing. What, so, what yeah, was the impetus to uh, join Ink Master? Was it just you saw Ink Master growing and wanted to have your own brand out there? No, I, I actually never dreamed of even thinking about applying for the show. I didn't feel like people like me got on that. You feel me? Just because of my level of tattooing. And I'm from a small town to where that didn't even seem like something that was real. Like there has never been anybody on TV from our city outside of being a professional athlete. If you weren't didn't play football, you didn't get on TV. Or you right. know, the most time, the, the most you would make was the local news, you know? So um, I <laughs> what moved city out to was Atlanta. This? This is Pensacola, Florida at the time. Okay. But um, I, I was living in Atlanta part time. I um, opened the shop in Atlanta and I had a friend that um, was a, um, a choreographer for a lot of dance for dancers. She was a chore dance choreographer. And um, she would get these emails from different things and like modeling gigs and stuff like that. And she got one from a tattoo show, which was at the time Tattoo Titans. I don't know if you remember that. It was on, yeah, I do. It, it was on CMT. And yeah, it's like. <laughs> We, everybody's like been getting referred from that it seems like as that show right. was dying okay what, that's how it happened was, it, was that over a year before it was it a long process or it was a long process because um i applied she was like apply it's just an email i'm like bro that shit ain't gonna work for me she was like just give it a shot i signed up for it i got email back the same night and then they did a um um skype call the next day 
And then they say, well, we feel like you'll be better suited for Ink Master. And they passed my stuff on them and I started doing the interviews for Ink Master. I didn't get on the first year. They called me again the next year. Um, I, season, I think it was season six is when they called me. And I didn't get on for season six. And then they called me for season seven. I didn't get on for seven. Then they called me for eight. And I told them I didn't want to go through the process again because, you know, you have to kind of oh, yeah. clear your calendar just in case. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not clearing my calendar a whole summer again when I'm making crazy money before Ink Master. I actually made more money before Ink Master. And um, they, um, what, what, what they was like, the effect of that? Just because you were hustling more? Or? I was just, um, I had I have the I had the first, like the most popular shop in Florida almost. I'm right by a military base, a school. So it was okay. just like a thing that, yeah, so it was a thing like I was already crazy busy. So for me to take time away, I was missing crazy money. But they right. told me like, yeah, just trust us and go through the interview process this time. So I kind of felt like I would get on in and they finally called me. So you were trying out for six as well, or they had you in the works for six? Yeah, I was in the works from six and seven, and then I finally got on eight. And at the at the finale of eight, they told me they wanted me to come back for nine. I didn't get to see any of nine. How was that yeah, treating you was, when you come back? Um, it was good, but it was just short lived. Nine was um nine was dope because I got to meet um a lot of the guys that I looked up to. Like Tommy Helm was somebody that I I looked up to. I like Tommy Helm a lot. And he was a super cool dude. So that was dope right. being in the same house with Tommy Helm. Um, who else was in there? Um, there was a bunch of guys, bro, because it was a lot of heavy hitters because what it was is um, it was the shop wars thing. But what they did, they all, they brought, all of them brought back like one very strong competitor and then they brought back kind of a weak link. Like, so that was the thing. But I should have known how they were strategizing that when I picked my partner, you know. But oh. it, I, yeah. because It cost yeah, so. you? Who was your partner there? Um, my partner was Hobo Inc. And um, he's a good tattoo artist. But the thing about it is that we're the same artist. You feel what I'm saying? So, yeah. Like if there was if there was a field that we didn't do, we were fucked. You didn't so when do New it. School, yeah, New School that day came, I was like, all right, bro, we did. Because the first day was <laughs> black and gray, and we're in the top three the first day. And the next the next challenge was New School, and I'm like, we're dead. He had no 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 understanding of color theory or anything he was a painter so i thought we had a shot because he paints at home but he didn't know how to apply it to tattooing so we we were dead we were dead out the gate right yeah no there's there's definitely different um hugely different techniques to all that right obviously uh especially when it comes to new school i i myself have so little understanding of it (laughs) yeah i kind of just i and people still sometimes want me to do it Right, right. Are you now also doing everything? Do you do you do what people want? Do they sometimes force you into it? Or are you doing just your own tattoos? I'm not. I'm not one of those. I'm going to do only what I want to do, guys. I kind. I just feel like people should be able to put whatever the hell they want to put on their bodies, and if they allow me to influence their decisions, great. But I do everything. You know, I work in a street shop, so you have to kind of be able to do everything people want. And even after right. the show, the show what really made me really go get good at everything. Like even after losing, after getting kicked off a of nine, I went and learned how to do new school. You know, so okay, that's what that was my yeah. my next question, right? Where I was asking you if you had a new school piece come into the shop, you're going to sit down and do it. Oh, absolutely! I can't wait to do it at this point because I just I want to prove <laughs> that I can do it now because that's how I got eliminated. Right. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, and, and also the sign of a, of a of true champion, I dare say, you know, somebody that's going to take their mistakes, stop making excuses for them 
and uh, instead use the anger that they have to teach themselves. For sure, for sure. That's been my whole career, though. And I think that's I think that's what helped me with the season eight. I I, I wouldn't have dreamed of being on that show that long with the skill set that I came in with. But I'm I'm self-taught for the most part, so I'm a sponge. So anytime I see something once, it's locked in, and I, I like my skill set changes overnight once I see something. So what happens is I go in the show and I'm there with Kelly Doty, Sketchy Lawyer, Gian, Ryan Nashley, Nikki Simpson. All of these guys are like crazy good tattoo artists, and I'm yes, I'm average at best, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm aware of that. I think self awareness helps you on that show too. So um, okay, yeah, yeah. So I um I go in and as the challenges are as the show goes on, I'm getting better and everybody else is getting worse. But I'm getting better because I'm soaking up all the knowledge and I'm hum- I'm aware enough that I'm average to pay attention and learn while I'm there. So I'm learning on the fly. By the time I leave that show, I'm five times. I'm, I'm well above an average tattoo artist. Like a little crash course, a university of sorts. How, yeah, how long so, were yeah, you there exactly. for? Um, I stayed. Um, it was 15 episodes that season. I stayed 12 episodes. So it was like two months. And at the time you were running a shop in Pensacola, that's where you were born and raised as well? Yeah, yeah. I was doing every, I was running my shop for my, for my cell phone pretty much at that point. So what age in Pensacola, Florida, did you, did you decide to, that you, the art was a thing for you? Were you just always drawn? Yeah, I've, I've, I've been, I've been into art since I was a kid. Um, I was supposed to go to art school, but uh, um, I had, a, my, my son came, I got, I was supposed to leave to go to school. The summer I was getting ready to go to school, I had a baby. I had a baby on the way, so that made me stay. And I started tattooing. I started taking tattooing seriously. I opened my shop when I was 24, and it's been open ever since then. Right on. Then the the tattooing was the impetus for. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting a cramp here, Candy. We have to edit that out. Um, but yeah, uh, so tattooing was the impetus for uh, your your rap career. Then is, is getting bigger. Am I wrong? Weren't you able to put more time and energy into that after you had resources coming in from tattooing? Yeah, for sure. But I kind of went far, further away from it because, like, once I started elevating this tattooing, the show came. And what happens is, and we live in a society where people aren't going to let you be more than one thing. If you're a rapper, you're a rapper. You can't be a rapper and a tattoo artist. You can't be an athlete and a rapper. You they're gonna accept you as one thing and that other shit. Like they don't want to process all of that. So well, you, once you I became, just, you just bagging on Shaquille O'Neal right now. He could rap. He he was a good yeah, rapper. But, <laughs> but nobody nobody. But when you think of him, you don't talk about his music. You feel me? You no, talk no. about his basketball. Yeah, so I do like, because and, I thought that was awesome. He had the, his, the Shaq new kids or something. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. But if you had to hire him for a rap feature or to be on your basketball team, <laughs> damn sure ain't hiring him for a rap feature. Yeah, and no, so, it would have to be a twofer yeah. or something. Right, exactly. So that was the thing. Um, I somehow became the I was the rapper that was trying to tattoo, and I somehow it flipped. I became the tattoo artist that tries to rap when rap was my thing. But um, I think rap went away for me when I had my son because it's something that's um, it's something that's it's a dream, you know, and it's something that yeah. you can bring the reality if you put enough work in it, but. I didn't believe in gambling my son's future on the dream. So I went with tattooing because it was more concrete. Right. You decided to, to forego school because you needed to be there for your child. Absolutely. So it makes sense that you, for, you forgo this as well. Uh, yeah. Cause you, to, to really do it right. You just, um, you have to be on the road. 
You're not going to yeah, be able to do sure. it. Uh, well, maybe now. Do you, do you have more? Have you seen a, a greater push from these platforms that you have, uh, like TikTok and all for yourself? Or hasn't that been your focus? I hadn't. I hadn't. I'm like, bro, I think I'm turning into the old guy. I used to be the guy that said that I would never let technology like pass me. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, it's too much. I can't keep up with it. I don't have a TikTok <laughs> yet. I have one, but I, I don't know how to work it. Um, yeah, you're like, I have dude, a, I, I don't even know how to work all Twitter, my eight tracks. Yeah, I don't even know how to work Twitter, bro. And I'm like, damn, I let it pass me. And it's just a lot of work to keep up with it. I understand. But the, these are the things, even if, as you move on to teaching other kids, uh, that's that's the part that you would almost, um, I would wonder, you wouldn't want to pay attention to the most. Say that again? Well, it seems like uh, if as you're helping kids navigate the business now that seems like it would well actually they're probably going to come in with enough knowledge of that but it seems like that would be the thing that you would want to help them with uh or, or that you would be able to help them with some of the most is getting them distributed right 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 and and that's 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 difficult for me because i, I it's moving so fast that i don't even know how to get myself out there like that it's just it's becoming difficult for me and then all of these um platforms are now becoming monetized to where even if you're on them, it's not helping you unless you're spending money. So it's all going right. back to the way it started. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there was a, I, I was excited for a while about Twitch streaming. Um, and, and I was growing a little bit of what I thought was popularity, but when you really look into it, it's, it's, it's a bunch of hocus pocus and they, mm -hmm. they dangle dreams in front of you. They make you think you're making achievements, but they're so close they're so far away from making any money that they're, minuscule and even when you do get the money it's it's like you're gambling at the house the house is going to win absolutely you're right you're right and by the time you get the money it's it's crumbs based on, compared to what you should have for the time that you put into it you know so now this is indicative of society too then <laughs> yeah, absolutely absolutely I, I have friends that that are athletes and you know when these guys they play sports their whole life and then they come and they get their contract and it's, it may be 20 30 million and everybody's coming with their hands out. And I explained to them, like, bro, that 20, 30 million is back pay. You played basketball from high school, from little Pop Warner to high school to college, all the way up to this level for free. So all it is right. is back pay. It's like you don't owe anybody. You just the whole time we've been working and we've been getting our checks every week. You hadn't been getting yours. So now when you fucking turn 21 and they sign you to the league, you finally get your check. And all it is is an accumulation of all of the money you didn't get on the way up. So we're coming. It's right. almost... You ever been in a restaurant and your wife's food comes out before yours and she eats and then your food comes out next and then she feels like she's entitled to some of your food because hers is gone and it's like, <laughs> yeah, you ate. <laughs> so it's like, it's my turn. So, but it's like people still feel like they're entitled to what you have or to be a part of what you're doing when they've right, been eating you their whole life. The lottery. And right, right. And it's not that way. So that's the same way it is with this. It's just like that's, every, that's everything coming back from you. I got to figure that really draws the line in between people too. When the, if, if people start approaching you as you, as you uh, get fame or fortune that they are aware of, and they're your family members or distant cousins, they start approaching you with their hands out. That's going to make you really withdraw a lot, right? Just from oh, for sure. your own family. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I just feel like it's one of those situations that where if, um, if, if, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I don't want to be forced or, or pushed to do anything. It's just I'm going to do it on my own time and when I feel like it and if I feel like it. So what is uh, – since Ink Masters, 
your exposure to the show, how has that affected you in, in going forward in life? Now, were you working with um, with Caesar at all at one point too? Uh, yeah, what it was is that um, I felt like Caesar was in control of the, um, before the black tattoo experience and all of that, I felt like Caesar was in control of the, um, the identity of black tattooing. And it was okay. by default. It was, it was by default because he had the biggest platform. Right. You know, so I felt, I felt like because he had the platform, instead of trying to create another platform, you feel me? What I wanted to do was go work within that work, one, work with, work within that one and influence that one. So I went with him to help protect the identity of black tattooing because I felt like it was, it was dramatized and it was not about tattooing and we were still looked at in a, in a certain light, but he had the platform to change that. So I went to work with him to be in a position to, to, to affect change. You know, it wasn't really about an opportunity to be close to him or be famous or anything like that. You know, um, right. Because I didn't even use, I didn't use, I didn't even like try to capitalize off of the ink master fame. It was just something that was just there, which I probably should have, but I didn't. Um, now to change that, you you wouldn't you have to approach it by uh, to to change the um I'm sorry but to change that you need to be able to uh, affect things outside of your own circumstance right yeah like oh, sure. you can't you, he's still in control of it were you working you weren't contractually working with him were you no 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 it was just more so um. And VH1 doesn't want a difference. They're they're not ready for you to showcase tattoos. You would have to showcase tattoos now, right? And this is this was this was this effect was um, aimed to be outside of television. I didn't really care about the television part because Ink Master does the same thing with tattoos. You feel what I'm saying? It's dramatized. It's really not about the tattoos. But his effect was also outside of TV. You know, so that was the part that I was trying to um, help with more so than anything. Like when we went to the tattoo shows, like. I wanted to be an artist that could be a part of his circle that was winning, winning awards because none were, they weren't winning them. You know, it was like right. they weren't looked at as good tattooers. So if we could go to a um, villain arts Philly and get a first place trophy, that was major. And that changed, that changed the right. way people looked at you, you know? So right. I was, I was, I was more so on that end of it, just trying to bring good tattooing. And he was the one that the spotlight was on. So I'm like, well, let me take some good tattooing over here to the spotlight where it's at. So they can see that we do know how to do this shit. Are you guys still working together? Uh, we hadn't, we, we're still cool, but we're not working together anymore. I, um, so you're just back like I, Pensacola or you're, you, you've got a place in Georgia now? Um, I, I bought a house in Georgia, but I still, I, my main shop is in Pensacola. I have a private studio in Georgia. Um, but yeah, like I, we stopped working together um, a few years back. It's just that like within, like on the personal side, not between me and him, but just the way things were going, I was just, I felt like it, it wasn't effective. So I just kind of went back to doing my own thing. Okay. Right on. I, it, I don't know. I keep on looking at any TV show with quality ink uh, being shown on it. And all of them go through the same process. It seems of watering down the tattoos and amplifying the drama until eventually there's nothing that really that you can watch that has, you know, there's a nice feeling that people get at home. You, me, I think, and the average person too, when they see a tattoo come to life in front of them. Right. Right. But, but you know, people like, who watch TV, people who watch TV don't want to see good tattooing though, bro. No, they, they typically, yeah, they typically like to see really, really bad tattoos. Yeah. Some of they the think most they do, but they don't. Masters, 
certainly the ones that people remember the most for me are yeah, the ones that, yeah. that either I did really good at or I did really, really bad at. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the same reason why people love the Joker and not Batman. You know, it's just like we don't we don't come here to watch you be successful and to watch you win. We, we go to we go to the races to watch the cars crash. <laughs> right. Not, you not not to watch them go fast. You know, we just right. want to we come to see a wreck. You know, we go to fights to see a knockout. So, it's, so that, that's the way TV works, man. You were on Chief Peck, Team Peck for, the, for as a champion of Peck, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, but now I call him little racist Ollie because I'm just that kind of asshole, I guess. Since that's <laughs> come out, has that changed the um, has that changed your opinions of it? How do, how do you feel? Did it do you think there was any effect on you from on the show as a black contestant that might have correlated with his possible bigotry or racisms? No, honestly, no, I can't say that i can't say that um not me personally maybe other people have experienced that but i can't put that on them um i'm gonna be honest and say that like i didn't have any issues with him though i can tell like my thing is like your preference and the things that you desire and the things that you like have nothing to do with me just as long as you respect me like you can be a racist you cannot like black people well my thing is just like as long as we are respecting each other's space and you feel me you're not doing anything Excuse so, me, we're fine. You feel me? Yeah. As long so, as you yeah, stay like, in the middle of Florida instead of Pensacola. Yeah, I'm like, bro, you. It's cool. To, it's cool if you don't like black people, bro. Just don't. You feel me? Just understand. It's it's like I'm cool with people saying what they want to say. It's just be, right. be be okay to take the consequences of whatever the fuck you say. And it's just he he said what he said, or he did what he did, and he had to face the consequences for him for it. And I don't feel sorry for him for that. But at the end of the day, it's just like I don't have a um. I don't feel any type of way. I don't have, it doesn't anger me or anything right. like that. Like More I don't apathy have a Right. Any. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't really care. It's like, if that's who you are, bro, that's who you are. Just, you got to face the consequences for who you are. So right. I don't, right. I don't. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't, he didn't rub me the wrong way at all until the finale of season nine. That's when he actually outwardly did something that made me feel like, damn, this dude is really like, he bugging. Now I want to say, so now I want to punch him in the face. You know, but that before was then, when he took uh, offense to you and other artists taking a knee during the national anthem being played by Dave Navarro. Is that correct? Right. And see what that was, what that does to me is like, just like I said, I have no issue with you. You feel me feeling or expressing right. however you feel. But my issue is when you have an issue with how I express myself, I let you express yourself. Right. Now let me express myself. And right. we're even. You know, so I think and that was something that none of us came with. What's funny is that one of the white cast members came and said, hey, we should all grasp arms and take a knee. And I'm just like, fuck, all right, I'm with it. If everybody else is doing it, whatever the fuck, because I didn't have a, 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 I don't have a feeling about the kneeling in the protest. I ain't give a fuck about it. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you don't, you don't. Like, you feel me? Because at the end of the day, none of that shit is going to change how people feel. You feel me? It's just going right. to change how they act, how they, how they, sh- what they show. You feel me? So if you're a racist, you're going to be a racist. I would much rather you outwardly be a racist so i know to stay the fuck away from you versus you being a closet racist so i'm cool with you not liking me i just know to stay the hell away from you you know and it's just people have this thing to where they prefer a snake creep up in the grass and bite them versus the grass being cut and seeing the snake approaching because you have to deal with the fear of watching the snake approach you you feel me versus sneaking up on you and catching you by surprise so it's like people don't like to blatantly see things like you can't just you can't take a woman on a date and sit at the table with her and say, hey, I'm going to buy you some food. I'm going to be nice to you. And later you're going to give me sex. 
you're never going to get laid that way. You, know I mean? so you, have to, you have to disguise it. You have to sit there and pretend that's not what you're doing. And you know that's what you're doing. That she right. doesn't see you. <laughs> exactly. You feel me? Sneak and it's, up. That's, that's, okay. Right. It's, so it's just like that's how people are with things like that, with the thing that happened to Ali. It's just like, bro, clearly y'all seen that this man is of that. Of, of you, can, you can. It was evidence. You can kind of tell. You feel me? But it's just like because it never was said or shown. It's not happening. It's almost like when athletes give interviews and they give the politically correct answer when we clearly know how these motherfuckers feel. But they, <laughs> right. they just say the thing that they have to say. But you clearly right. know how they feel. I'm contractually obligated to feel this way about this. Yeah, I get it. Now, yeah, then awesome. when when you saw you didn't feel one way or the other taking a knee when you when you took a knee and you saw his reaction, did it kind of dawn on you? Not not necessarily how racist or that he was a racist or whatnot, but there was uh, the, what a racist or what a trigger this was. I shouldn't keep saying racist, but what a trigger this was for so many people. Was this the first time you had seen it and considered it like that? Yeah. And, and for and for him, more than anything, it wasn't even that he was triggered. I was fine with that, you know, because I felt like he would it would make him uneasy, you know, because I kind of felt like I knew his character, you know? Okay. But the issue, the issue was that when he tried to incite that same emotion on everybody, he tried to put that emo same emotion on everybody else. When he went to the audience and he tried to hype them up and make them a part of the way he felt, you know? But oh. clearly they didn't feel, yeah, they didn't, they didn't feel <laughs> that way at first because when it happened the first time, everybody applauded. But then you come oh, okay. on the stage. Yeah, so he comes on the stage in between takes and says, anybody that does this is a fucking coward. Now they're like, okay, we fuck with Ali because you you you're an influence. You feel me? So you've influenced no, these people. Not, yeah. So now and when that's what he said. Was he said coward? He said anybody that takes a knee from the, in front of the flag is a fucking coward. And he dropped the mic and went back and sat back. And he came out of his way to do this. He wasn't just on the stage. He came down from where he was and came on the right. stage and did it and said that and then went back to the podium. And then everybody Can in the audience is like looking uneasy, like, like maybe we shouldn't <laughs> clap. And then right. half the people who Half the people who kneeled in the first take, like everybody kneeled every, the first take except Clean Rock One, which we okay. respected. Like right. I still talk to Clean. I don't. I didn't feel any type of way because Clean decided not to kneel. I'm like, bro, you have that right. Just like they have a right to kneel, you have a right not to. So right, yeah. Boom. So he was the only one that didn't kneel. He was just like, I'm not doing it, and I respected that. You feel me? Yeah. But then what was crazy is after Ali said that it was time to do it again. And only like five people did it. It was the black people, and um, I think Aaron is was Aaron. the only person who did it. Yeah, yeah. and everybody he, else he like still got re recounts it as well. Yeah, <laughs> so so it was just like it was weird, bro. And I was just like, damn, like, do you realize like what you? And I don't think people realize, um, like, when you have fans, bro, you have fans that are more serious about you than you are sometimes. You feel me? Yeah. So if they yeah. see that you feel some type of way, they'll go out of their way to prove to prove their fandom. So I was like, you put a lot of yeah. people in danger with that whole move, bro. We're in an audience to where we all can reach each other, you know? Right, and right. I, thought, I thought it was a weird time and a weird space to do that when you could have expressed that to people beforehand. I mean, off camera, just like anything else you do. But then I, I approached him after that and I told him he was I told him he was a, a bitch basically for doing it. You know, I was like, yeah, bro, you. Yeah, that's some, I was like, that was some bitch ass shit. You feel me? And there was that. But we what later was his like, response. 
you know, he kind of was just like, yeah, whatever. He's like, you know, he kind of was like in passing. So it wasn't really he much. He was I happy to blow it off because he felt his conviction was correct. Now, right, I, right. I have to pause for a second to take exception because my understanding is that uh, I have tattooed before. It's a very iconic tattoo to see uh, is the image of a soldier with uh, M16 and um, boots in the ground representing a fallen soldier and an American flag over top of it. And the other soldier is taking a knee in front of that. That seems like it's an mm -hmm. iconic image that I've seen repeated over time and time, which seems like someone like Ali would have known of the image. And for him to say anybody who takes a knee in front of the flag is, uh, is a coward. It seems like these people that he, he's also impugning, legions you know of army people right, who right. are obviously not cowards for the flag like that is that is how you show respect for fallen members of of the army if of the armed forces and what people ignore is that that's how it came about in the beginning um the guy called kaepernick when he first did it he was just sitting during the anthem and one of the guy a military veteran called him they went he flew him in they had lunch and the guy said, it would be more respectable if you took a knee. That's how the knee started. Uh, I believe that story also was that he suggested uh, the reason behind it was because of using the knee to show respect for the officers or excuse exactly. me, for, of, uh, of the military fallen officers. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then I think I think and what it is, is funny because. The, what Ali did is the same reason what he did with that flag is the same reason why people hate Donald Trump so much, why black people hate Donald Trump so much. It's not so much that Donald Trump is a racist. It's just that when racists adopt you, you feel me, you become their symbol, their, their symbol. And then right. it makes you look bad. And, and it's just like anything associated with you is that because these people adopted you. It's just like a lot of flags. You like if I take a flag and I do some wild shit and I use that flag as my symbol and I'm sticking in the ground. It doesn't matter right. what the original meaning of that flag was. It was. It now means this. You know what I'm saying? So it's like they flipped the narrative of what everything meant. And that's what it was because we weren't even like our thing was we're doing this to show we're all together. It had nothing to do with anything else. You feel what I'm saying? And it was it was like I said, a white cast members idea. And when we did it, it's just like he made it about something else versus coming to us and saying, hey, like trying to get an explanation. It's just like you wanted to be offended. Right. Is the kind of, along kind of the line of uh, Macy Gray suggesting that we change the flag because so many people are adhering to the flag that seemingly or are, or even are openly racist at points or say racist things or enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, yeah, and, and by so and, many people adhering to it, it almost ruins that thing. Right. But the thing about it is if you change, if you change it, bro, people are just going to find something else to represent what they do. So it's like changing oh, no, one thing a, doesn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it doesn't help. I think it's a terrible idea. Yeah, You're just going to give racists an uh, 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 icon that is time honored and loved, you know. Right. They, they can help separate people. Flags are oftentimes bad enough because they divide us. Um mm -hmm. But uh, sometimes the flag, if it unites, that, that's where it's beautiful. And that's kind of the beauty of our flag is that it is for the racist and it is for uh, the most e equal uh, or the mo one of us propagating the most equality. You know, it, it's the same flag.
It's for every yeah, but, good and bad individual inside of America. Yeah, and I and, and and I say this as a black person, and it always sounds weird when I say this, but bro, I just feel like people should have room and they have a right to be racist. You have a right to be whatever, because if we really live in a free country, everybody has to be free. Because if I'm if I come along and start telling you what you can say and what you can't say, what you what flag you can fly and what flag you can't, guess what? Sooner or later, you'll be coming for my flag because it's like tattletaling. That's why. Right. This, that's why. That's why snitching isn't allowed in the drug game. It's because once it's almost like one of those things. Like once I tell on you, and I get in trouble for it, you feel me? Now that takes away all of my privileges, all of the things that I want to do. I can't do now because if I don't, if your flag offends me, all you have to say once they take your flag is, "Okay, well his flag offends right. me." And which no matter what next? it means. Right now, which one's next? Right. Now, before you know it, we're all silenced. We all can't say anything. That's why social media. It's such a weird place now because you can't even curse on social media without getting flagged because everybody's complaining about everything. So before you right. know, it, we live in the pillow soft society where you can't do anything and everything is governed. And what happens is that even like so if, if I'm a parent and both of my kids are fighting. Right. And I gave them free reign before they started fighting. When they started fighting, I took privilege from him. And then I took privilege from my other child. Guess what? Before you know it, I'm the dictator and nobody has power but me. So that's what we're doing in this situation is we're giving all of our powers to somebody else to make a decision for us. So before you know it, we're not making any decisions on our own. Right. So that's why I say it's important to allow people to be exactly who they want to be, especially if they're not harming anybody. And if you are harming okay. anybody, yeah. the, con the consequences that come with that, you should be able to you should have to face those and live with it. You feel me? So it's just like you hit oh, me, yeah. I hit you back. That's why that's why. Um, like, I think sure it makes like sense because eventually you almost have to trust that people are educated enough to recognize ignorant speech and ignorance when it is, or at least that they will give you a fair uh, opportunity to defend uh, exactly. something that is ignorant. Because generally, it, well, 100 percent racism, almost all based on ignorance. Right, right, right. And that's why they say back in the day, they said that. Um, the wild, wild west was the most peaceful times because everybody had a gun. You feel me? So I, I just think it's. One I've of those heard situations. that. I've also yeah, heard um, statistics, though, that well refute that that a gun was a large expenditure of money when you when it wasn't needed, and uh, and actually it wasn't prolific in the wild west at all. The cowboys themselves, there was rarely ever anybody with a gun. It was most often a rifle. If anything, they wouldn't wear guns themselves while being mm -hmm. on a cow or a horse because it could accidentally go off as they routinely did. And it could frighten the whole cattle and uh, and cause mm -hmm. a stampede. But right. But <laughs> even 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 another analogy that works is just like in the, in the MMA, in the, in the fighting gym, like an MMA gym. That's probably one of the most peaceful places on the planet because everybody yeah. can fight. Everybody right. can fight. You like you feel me? So it's just like that's one of those things where if everybody has their rights to 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 be free, then you have peace. But when right. you start yeah, taking if, shit away from people, you have problems. If everybody did have a gun, uh, you would feel relatively confident that very few people would be doing crime. And ironically, they've uh, come out with a statistic now that I I believe shows something of that. That uh, if you um if police are not doing a successful job of making their constituents or I don't know if constituents is the right way, but their public feel safe. That place is much more likely to arm itself with guns mm -hmm. and oftentimes illegal guns as, mm -hmm. as a result of many different things. So like then gun crime, of course, can go up in that same kind of area, but it's, um, it's based on your level of, of uh, fear mm -hmm. of, of being protected.
So it, it, in that case, it kind of supports the theory that uh, the world's a safer place if everybody had guns. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the kindergarten would be like, but <laughs> I know there'd be a lot less rapes at the church. <laughs> you trying to get canceled already, man? <laughs> yeah, the priests would be. Uh, they'd be, you know, they'd be popping up dead a lot. Um, yeah, I'm sure they got that thing figured out, anyways. <laughs> Moving on, season nine. That season itself was with like a plethora, like a whole hodgepodge of Ink Master stardom, right? Correct. And did you see an increase also in the expenditure from your your uh, paintball, your your powder powder paint gun day, your tag game, to uh, that the next year's? What did you guys do that year? Uh, what did we do? We did. Um, it was something about the same level of um, dramatic. Um, we were in this um, build this giant warehouse somewhere, and they um, set up a bunch of these different. Um, stages like art stages it was like a, um, a prop house and they just had us destroying stuff in the prop house and throwing paint everywhere and shit like that yeah right on another fun day though yeah it was definitely another point, fun day when you come back were you better at it uh is, is understanding like having the camera on you responding to the producers did you feel stronger uh against things how, how was it like coming back Oh, man, I, I think um, had that been a situation to where we were individuals, I could have made it to the finale that season. Um, I just was that confident and that strong. And I knew how I knew how to play the game. It's just dangerous for them to let you come back when you learn how to play that game, because that's all it is, 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 a, is a big game. Right. But, um, I knew you I was ready to control the storyline that would have kept oh, you propelled. Absolutely. And I would have I would have done it without being taking it so personal, I think. Um, that show, if you're somebody like I'm not someone who knows how to act or be different, I'm going to always be the same person regardless. So even when those cameras came on, I didn't know how to fake or play along or, or be a part. I was just I was just me. Um, when I came back, though, I understood how to give good TV and what to say or when not to say it. And like you said, how to talk in sound bites and how to do right. things and how to articulate myself and express myself and how to use that show to catapult myself. I just wasn't there long enough to like really take advantage of it the second time. How have you, how has it been since? Uh, were you able to harness any of the fame then? How's it been since with Ink Master stardom besides getting off on speeding tickets? Um, it's I, I don't really go. I don't really do much, bro, to really know. Um, I don't go outside much. I don't go out to bars and shit. I really I'm, I'm more of a um, go to work and go home guy. So I don't really see much until I go to the conventions and that's when you kind of feel it the most and it's still there and I think because I had such an iconic moment in the show's history like you it's like they never forget you 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 kind of become synonymous with Ink Master you know right and Nunez I I hope they keep him on because without him I'm nobody it's sad to say but I think they got 12. I, I, I don't think I don't think it goes anywhere bro because it's just I think if they had to put together a compilation of iconic moments, both those moments would always be in there and they would be top 10. Right, right. But if he's not yeah. famous, then, well, I guess at least the show would be. Hopefully that show right. goes on. Some, I, I sometimes run into people who are really bitter about it. Uh, obviously, you're not. Um, myself, I'm not as well. Uh, it, it was like a longest running advertisement for the thing that I do as a, as a you know, I would have paid 
hundreds of thousands of dollars in advertisement that it gave me. Right. Absolutely. Like to be on a commercial for 30 seconds is major, but to be on TV for 30, 45 minutes, you feel me an hour every week is insane with right. commercials running in between. And now they're starting to put it on Netflix, which is insane because that's, that's a, uh, that's the world. That's not just uh, a isolated audience. It's like everybody. Yeah. And it's and well, you're and on it Paramount goes right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think they, I don't, I'm not sure if they have it on Paramount. I'm not sure. I thought that's what I, I know was watching it on. Yeah, I was but, watching. But my, I, I watch. I got mine on YouTube, but I don't know about. I don't okay. know if it's about. It should be, but um, yeah, that, that that Netflix is crazy because Netflix is something that when everybody turns their TV on, that's the first thing they go to, and this thing is this is all across the world, and it was every time they post a new season, it goes to number one. So if my right. season goes back up just like yours did, I'm sure it re-sparked your whole career too. Even though you're probably already doing well, I'm sure. It well, I got a lot of friend up. invites. Right afterwards. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, uh, people want to see me sometimes. I have to have the old picture of me behind me. It's like, it's been a little while, man. <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, motherfuckers aging. I don't, I don't like to, uh, I don't like to work out the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, when, it's the same for me too. Cause I don't even look the same. It's just like people, I, I damn near need to have to like put a, 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 a picture of that moment on my banner for people to know, like, all right, cool. That's that moment. Cause I, people are more, familiar with the moment than they are with me yeah and is it almost humiliating too because that's what i feel about having my picture behind me but i remember that i you know what a worthless i remember how i want to be down to earth anyways so i might as well get mm -hmm. humiliated a little bit yeah i'm pandering to you there's there's the sexy kyle behind me with the blonde streak yeah that, that and you gotta get you, you gotta give him that bro and i just like um at the shows, how do y'all we have have the guys that like used to be in movies from like the 80s and they're like 70 right. years old at the booth <laughs> with a picture yeah. of them from the 80s and they're signing autographs and taking pictures. It's just like at the end of the day, bro, you got to be able to put your pride to the side and understand that it's all a money grab. And you, you got to grab the money. Doing that years later, no. years from now. <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely I would love not. that. I, yeah, I'm absolutely not. I'm afraid of it now. You know, I, I like you say, it's like I'm hesitant to like even put a picture of me from from the show on my banner. It's just like me now. And if you don't know who I am, I'm like, I'm sorry, but I, I understand people who do. I understand like, but it's just like, I've put myself in a position to where I don't have to do that. You know, I try to, right. Yeah. I try to like make sure I'm ahead. Like I stay ahead financially. So I don't have to sacrifice certain things. What, what gave you this uh, foresight? You, 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 your parents still together. Were you raised by both your parents? Uh, you, you sound like a well-constructed individual. Some somebody somewhere seems to have done a good job with. You. Uh, man, I just think um, I was blessed. My mom has ten kids, so um, there's no way you can raise ten kids the proper way. Um, so <laughs> well, just, you could yeah, that in one mile. Yeah, and that's what that's what we did. But that's what we did. Crap. Yeah, yeah, that's what we did. We ran wild, and um, I think um, I just was blessed enough to be put in a lot of situations and circumstances that. Um, and around a lot of influential people, like I played sports. So I had coaches and teachers and all of these people who I was influenced by, but right next to me, maybe my younger brother who didn't have those influences, who's completely the opposite. So we're all so different because we all did run wild and the environments that we were in raised us. I just was fortunate enough to be the land in some good environments with some good people that kind of motivated structure. me and made me right. Right. So I landed in some good spaces. I, and what I'm thankful for that because basketball, I played basketball. Right, 140 pounds, it's six foot something. That yeah, that might not be a football. 
career. No, that's definitely not. Not at all. <laughs> not Unless all. you got a strong defense or offensive line and you're the quarterback or something. But yeah, you're going to need an arm. Yeah, yeah. so basketball uh, kind of gave you structure as well. You, you're, you got are, what place in the 10 children are you? Somewhere in the middle, your bottom, your top? I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm, no, I'm number six. Easy yeah, for you. Marsha, Marsha, yeah. Marsha. Exactly, exactly. So it's like like you Mr. Relevant at that point. And it's just like five kids later, it's like by six, nobody's even coming to the hospital anymore. It's just kind of like, all right, yeah, she had another one. Yeah, what is it? It's a boy. Oh, okay, cool. What's his right name? Now, I'll oh, see okay. it at his first year's birthday yeah. party. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, so it was just like one of those situations. So you then that's probably also possibly what attracted you to art was the structure of that. Because it's yeah, also that I mean, one, an environment that you, that, you know, kind of gives structure to, to chaos. Yeah, it was definitely that. That was my escape because it, with art, I was able to be anywhere. I was able to pretend I was anywhere. I was able to create that place on paper. And um, that was my thing because I was raised in probably one of the worst neighborhoods in the history of my city. And on top of that, um, my mom was constantly in an abusive relationship. So it was my escape was to go sit in the corner somewhere with a pen and pad and create. And the best thing that ever happened to me was um, one of my stepfather's brothers, he was kind of well off and he would come by the house to see his, see my stepfather. And he seen me drawing one day and he was just like, and but I'm drawing with like just ink pen on notebook paper, like from school. Right. With lines. And, um, with lines, right. So um, he checked out a couple of my drawings. He was like, you're pretty good at this. And he's, the next day he brought me um, some coloring pencils and a sketch pad. Blank paper, yeah. Yeah, and I started drawing, and he was like, every time you fill it up, I'll bring you another one. So I would fill him up every week, and he would bring me another one every week. And you still see that guy? He died earlier last year. And oh, I didn't even man. know. I just, I, Yeah, I just found out he died, like, last month. I found out that he died last year. Would you so I never got a chance. gone to the funeral, huh? Man, absolutely. I, I, I just would have liked to thank him because he was right. responsible for me pursuing art because it was just something I did, but he made it something that I fell in love with. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because that's a, there's always, you know, to me, generally, there's always somebody or, or an impetus somewhere that really gave people the, you know, hey, go ahead. That's so awesome that somebody would go that far, too, though, to, to get you a new pad every time you would fill it up, like to have a running right, contract with you. So were you turning it, these the papers into him kind of where you and not turning what you were showing him completed ones? Yeah, I would always show up in the completed ones and I go to school and sell them. And what's funny is that I had a kid in the um, in the barbershop that was in with his mom and he was drawing and she was like, he he does drawing a lot. And I'm looking at his art utensils and I'm like, damn, like he, he got some shitty equipment, you know, but he's doing a good job. So I yeah. told her, I was like, bring him, bring him by my shop. And, you know, Ink Master gave us a bunch of supplies and stuff that I never really used. So I was like, bring him by yeah. my shop and I got some stuff he can have. And I gave him all of the stuff that I got from Ink Master, all of the... um. The, the sketch pads and the expensive coloring pencils and shit they had, I gave them to him. And I told him the same thing. I was like, every time you fill it up, somebody did this for me when I was a kid, I'm going to do it for you. Whenever you fill it up, you bring it to me and I'll give you a new one. And we've had that ongoing thing since then. How, he's brought you some then. He's shown them to you. I, um, I, I bought him one set. I hadn't seen him yet. I gave him enough stuff to probably last him for fucking a year. That's why I hadn't seen him again <laughs> okay. yet. Right but, I, but I followed him. I, I followed his, um, his little Instagram page so I can see. That he's doing his he's thing. He's working with it. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, Scott. Yeah, that's got to feel good. 
Um, I don't know that I think because now that I think about it, I feel like I still have I come across some of the old art things I got from Ink Master. I'm like, oh, look at this pencil sharpeners and bunch of pencils and sketch pads I've never used. <laughs> now everything's on tablet. You're drawing on a tablet too yourself, right? Right. Absolutely. Right on. It seems like um, that's going to really progress these the next levels of design for tattoos is the tablet and the, and the kids understanding and their familiarity with it is going to so far exceed what we can do or, or, our, or not what we can do, but what our familiarity is with it, you know? Right, right, right. And, and until at least the, um, the breakdown of society and we have to go back to making our own needles again. Yeah, that's what I, that's why that's funny you say that. Cause I, I think there's, that's going to definitely happen to where we got to start over again. They're going to come back to us like we shunned you before, Kyle. We shunned you be before. We, but what we need the information now. Did you ever make yeah, needles when you're uh, younger? Uh, yeah, I was. I was. I learned how to do all of that stuff. I learned how to put together, build machines, make needles, everything. So who teaches That's what you kind that? You're self-taught, but you you have to learn that somewhere, right? Yeah, but I, I I'm self-taught, but I did get a mentor along the way. What I did when I opened my shop. Because I was so terrible, I was just like, shit, if I want to learn, the best way to learn is just to hire artists who are better than me. So I opened the shop. I did. I, I had the money. So I was like, shit, I got the money. And they don't, but they have the skills. So I hired a bunch of guys who were better than me. And they became my mentors. Like um, Jeremy Miller is one of my mentors. Um, oh, that's right. where I learned the most from. Yeah. So he, um, he was on he was it, based out of Am I wrong? No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. Different he was Jeremy one of the guys. Miller, I'm, then, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. He was trying to. Um, I was actually trying to bring him back as my teammate on the um, the, the, the shop wars season, right. but they didn't choose. They didn't choose him. He was my first choice, but they didn't use him. Um, but he he taught me everything I know as far as machines and needle making and all of that extra stuff. Definitely an art. I remember trying to chase down that knowledge myself without somebody to get mm -hmm. you in the door on it. There's a lot of trial and errors. But you've burnt your fingers with acid flux. Then have you mixed pigment too? No, I haven't mixed pigment yet. No, right on. I haven't myself. I'm just, I'm just testing your level of preparedness for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> we're we're going to be at the gates, being like, uh, "But I can tattoo," and they'll be like, "We don't have any ink." Like I can make ink. <laughs> we'll take the one that can make ink. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, that's my right on. Uh, well, brother, I think I've stayed too long and said too much, which is kind of my sign off more than anything. <laughs> uh, but and I, I can hear we've been here for a minute it's been great catching up again i look forward to doing it in the future but do you have anything we should plug before we get on and about uh get off uh yeah man um i just came out with um you know i have this supply company easy grips i started that back in 2012 um i just released a new brand of needle cartridges called luxury tattoo needles I do know this, and I feel like an idiot for not talking about it earlier. Actually, I forgot that you were affiliated with. It. I knew that does, that's where I was. I was trying. I knew you're an entrepreneur of sorts, and so I wanted uh -huh. to open that door, and I stuck on rap. I apologize, brother. No, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, because I, I yeah. I've used your uh, your your batteries. Uh, the um, yes. you were one of the first people to have those available for us, and that freed right. up. That's the big leap and bound of tattooing. Absolutely. I think and I think that's something that I'm probably never going to get credit for. But I was definitely the one that inspired the wireless battery pack. I think even before the battery pack came out, I was wireless back in 2009, 10, which was a long time ago. Um, Wait, what? 
Yes, with what, one, way one back of those then, H2 ocean machines or something else? Nah, it was um, had a big heavy was, thing. Nah, this was um, I think it was the free wire machines. I got I, um, once I they came out, it was a coil, but it was wireless. It was heavy okay. as hell, just like you said. Yeah, and no, um, I remember. Yeah, that wasn't H. It, well, it wasn't H2 ocean, but um, they helped they helped promote it. I think it was uh, a a joint project with. Eddie, the owner of H2 Ocean, and uh, like yeah, Tony Olivas yeah. and uh, Jack Rudy, they had a whole computer on board so that, that thing could. Yeah. Did, and these did guys you like were, um, these guys were, um, it was, it was cool, but it was, um, at the time, um, I didn't, I don't think I was as advanced enough of a tattoo artist to really appreciate it or know how to use it, you know. But what I did do was right. I took the technology and kind of took the technology to another level and I started working with. The guys in China because I was already doing starting needle cartridges then and needle cartridges <laughs> were just getting popular then. And right. um but you didn't really take the technology then really you took the the idea almost of it more. I took the idea and because I was like, like okay, like the, cool. The, the, the need for it in the market. I'm sorry to straighten that up, but exactly I was like running yeah, over exactly. and thinking, well, that sounds like it's viable. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So it's just like I took the um the the need for it basically and um told them um, instead of a whole machine, because what you had to do is buy their whole machine. And I was just like, well, people don't want to switch machines once they get comfortable with their machines. So I'm going to come right. up with something that you can just attach to the machines because we've all been doing wireless tattooing before we know it. If you tattooed back in the day and you had a prison machine that was battery operated. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it was just like, I wanted to create something that was more like new school version of that. And I started sending them over there. I actually had the patents and everything for it. But what happens is if people change something enough, the patents aren't really relevant anymore. So people start making their own changes to it. But it was definitely the first person to um, have them made. And another thing that happens when you do stuff in China is that once you send them ideas, they start making them those ideas for themselves. And right. once they start, yeah, so it's like they beat, they would beat you to the then market. Then they're going to flood you to the market. market. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's, it's like uh, making a deal with the devil, especially if it's something new or innovative. Exactly. So that's what it was. And um, yeah, so they basically, um, they beat me, they tried to beat me to the market with my own product. So I ended up competing with my own creation. And then um, FK came, the other companies started coming and doing their own thing. And they had a lot more money than I did. So, you know, it was kind of right. hard to keep up once it, um, once it became a thing. But you still have easy grips and now you've got a new cartridge that you're, you're, you're starting with them or you've already got it in production and all. Uh, it's already out. Um, they're on the website. Um, I just put them up last week. Um, so yeah, that's the thing that I'm doing now is the new cartridges. Not I went back to cartridges. That's what I started with, but I went back to those because it's something that people will always need more of. It's like yeah. just like you got yeah, they're disposable, so you got to buy more when you run What's out. What's the Once website them, for easy easy? Uh... It's easy G R I P Z easy grips with the Z dot com dot com. Right on. Yeah. Anything else to promote, brother? That's it, bro. All right. Uh, I apologize about being, I, I, you know, obviously I'm like, my mind's kind of like a dog chasing a squirrel. So I apologize <laughs> jumping all over the place. And man, oh, no, cool. I, I do feel bad I didn't get that out earlier because that's, that's the kind of stuff I like to lead with is all the advances that you've done for the industry mm -hmm. itself that, that maybe you won't ever get credit for. But, uh, you know, I appreciate it at least. Thanks for the jetpacks, brother. Man, I appreciate you, bro. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care, man. All right. All right. All right bye.